Welcome to Maranatha Christian Assembly Podcast, where we bring you the Word of God wherever you are. We pray that you be blessed by God's Word this week. But today, we want to talk about you, okay? Who you are and the kind of vessel that you need to be to be ready for God's use. Uh, help me do something. Turn to someone next to you uh, uh, and say to them, Pastor is going to talk about you. Will you do that? I want to invite you to turn with me to uh, your Bibles, John chapter 6. Okay, we're going to keep your... I want to invite you to... I encourage you to keep your finger there because we're going to just reference... Uh, uh, that scripture text through our time uh, today, okay? Uh, John uh, chapter 6. You know, uh, in 2014, uh, you may remember the Malaysian airliner MH370 that had uh, mysteriously disappeared. I was at a meeting a couple of days just after that mysterious uh, tragedy, uh, right in the middle of the saga of the disappearance of the airliner. Uh, I met someone who worked in the aviation investigation industry. His job is like the CSI you know, of, uh, of the airline to investigate uh, uh, things that are, are going on, uh, to examine accidents, mishaps, foul play you know, uh, in the industry and all that. And in fact, as we uh, spoke, he said that his colleagues were being seconded to help uh, Malaysia to search and investigate what was happening to the plane. And as he went through uh, with me the various scenarios, was it an explosion? You know, uh, was it a disintegration? Was it a crash? Was it a hijack? In all those scenarios, uh, what were the protocols that the pilots had to go through? Uh, what equipment they had to operate one by one, you know? And, and what were the security steps they had to take in order to safeguard against terrorists? If even one of those critical pieces of equipment had failed when it was needed most, uh, uh, you know, it would have brought danger. It probably would have cost the lives of uh, the people uh, on the plane. And what amazed me was as he began to describe it, you know, that, uh, the, the tests that were so stringent on the equipment, the security protocols that the plane had to go through, it occurred to me that the more critical the mission of the plane, the more stringent the checks uh, that plane had to go through. For example, important airplanes like Air Force One, okay, uh, the airplane that carries the American president, is maintained and tested by a a whole contingency of program managers, uh, uh, equipment specialists, engineers, you know, and besides all what you see in the movie, uh, bulletproof, uh, you know, all the different flares and all this kind of thing that you watch in the movie, besides all those things, uh, uh, the hardware things that you see, there are internal software arrangements that are very stringent. Uh, the food and service items are purchased by undercover agents. They go to random shops to purchase things, you know, all secret, so that there is no, that it reduces the chance of any kind of poisoning or any kind of a thing. And it struck me that the greater the vessel's mission, the more stringently it is checked and prepared. Now, what's the check that God uses when He wants to use a vessel for His purpose? We often think that, you know, if God wants to use someone, this person, the more gifted, the better. You know, the, the more uh, uh, money, the smarter, you know, uh, the better. The more experience, the better. More is better than less, we think, when God calls. So we often think, you know, if, uh, if God wants me to serve, I must be doing very well in my studies. You know, I got my A's and my B's and all that. 
uh, everything settled already, you know. If it's not that, I, I feel reluctant to serve. Uh, if I'm to serve God, all my family must be doing well. You know, my children's studies are all doing well. My, my children are the uh, sit quiet, quite quiet in church one, you know, uh, well behaved, you know. They, yeah, okay, yeah, I, I can serve the Lord, you know. Uh, if, if God wants the, the church to serve the community, we must have a lot of resources. We must be able to give to them. Then, 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 then God will call us to serve. If, if God calls me to serve His purpose, I must be doing well in my, my office marketplace. You know, I must be uh, 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 really on top of things. My finances must be doing well. We often think that when God calls us to serve, we must have more, not less. But when Jesus asked Philip what could be done, what do we need? Look with me at verse 7, okay, in your Bibles. Verse 7 of John 6. All right. Jesus asked Philip what could be done. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. So Philip was saying, Jesus, the more that we have is better, you know, for your purpose, for your mission, for your outreach. But for this project, even if we had a salary of eight months, it would not be enough. Yet when God wants to do something, He does not look at the amount. He does not look at what we have. He does not look at our resources. Instead, He looks at the man or the woman. Look at verse 6, which is the key to the entire passage. Verse 6 says this, Jesus asked this only to test Philip, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. You see, it was a test. It was a test to see what was inside Philip. Jesus wanted to examine his heart, to draw out a right heart. You see, in Singapore, when we use the word test, uh, it's not a nice word, right? Uh, it's a pass or fail kind of a thing, right? Uh, uh, my son, doing his PSLE, left out the last half page. Fatal, you know, cannot really die. Test, fail, will he pass? But in the Bible, the word test is different. Okay? God doesn't test in that way. In the Bible, the word test is about drawing out. Everyone say after me, drawing out. One more time, drawing out. It's to draw out because God is searching for something in your heart to help us to grow. He wants to draw it out and that's what He means when He uses the word test. And friends, I want to say to you, whatever you are going through, God may already know what He's going to do, but He wants to draw something out of you. And God does this out of love. So these were the 12 apostles, the 12 uh, vessels that God was going to use to send out. He wanted to test the metal. He wanted to, to draw out the best in them. One day they would be ready to change the known world with the gospel. They would be tried and true, ready for God's use. Are you willing to become the person that God intends for you to be? Tried and true. Friends, God loves you. He wants you to live for His purpose. Amen? Yeah, and that's something very important. And to ensure that you're a vessel that is ready for that, He wants to put you through a series of checks to make you aware, to draw out what God desires for you. And I want to share with you this morning four checks from this passage that God uses often to prepare people that He wants to use, to prepare His disciples, to prepare us to be ready for God's purposes. And we're going to look at what these four checks are. Are you ready for God's Word? Amen? So let's uh, begin first with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we just want to commit this time to you. And I want to pray that you'll pour forth your Holy Spirit on, on us. And you would really open your heart to us and speak to us. Let there be an outpouring of your presence upon us. 
I pray, O oh God, that you speak your heart to us and uh, I pray that there are people here you really want to speak with today. You want to place your hand on them. You want to uh, place your anointing on them. And I pray that, Lord, your word will not pass us by. So turn our, uh, our, our hearts to you, O oh God. Open our hearts to you as you open the heart of your word to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we want to look at four checks that prepares us uh, for God's uh, use uh, today. And the first test that people go through when God wants to use us is the check number one, the heart for God's burden. The heart for God's burden. Why would we take up an extra burden for someone else or some other ministry for God? Why would you take up something that would cause more problems for you? More things to worry about. You have to study for your own grades, right? right? Why would you want to help out a fellow student? You have your own CCA. Why would you serve in church or, or, or take up a, a, a small group ministry? You have your own job and company things to worry about, right? Why would you uh, be in a committee for a project to, to worry about something, take on a greater burden? The church has its own people to care for. Why would we reach out to the community that's around us? This is the first check. Do you have a heart for what burdens God's heart? I was talking to a training consultant the other day who, was just, uh, who had just taken over as a cell group leader in her church. Uh, her cell group is actually very large. I'm not sure what the organization uh, 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 guide is there, but she had 30 people in her small group. And she was sharing with me her burden. She was in tears, you know. She was crying as she was speaking, you know. She said, well, my, my, my cell group members, I, I just feel so much for them. And as we talked, as as talk, she was asking questions like, how should I position the, the subgroups, you know, in, in this group? It's too big already. How do I put the leaders in place? What is their personality, you know? What kind of DISC personality profile do they have? Do they match, you know? Are they of the right age? I was thinking, well, oh, this person talked like it's a HR strategy for a company, you know? It's just a, a cell group. But okay, but she's, a, she's a, a, a training consultant, so that's understandable. But she was in tears as she was sharing this burden for these people that she loves. Now look with me at, at, at chapter 6, verse uh, 5. Chapter 6, uh, verse uh, 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Okay, I want to tell you something. It wasn't Philip's problem, right? Right? It was Jesus' problem. Jesus was, was the one with this problem, right? Okay? But he saw this great crowd and Jesus put that test of burden onto Philip. Throughout history, when God wants to select us as his vessels, he asks us a question for his people. These are the people I care for. Whom shall I send? Who will go for me? You know, in Matthew chapter 9, we are shown what is the core motivation for Jesus when he asks us this kind of question. It's often compassion. Jesus asks us our confession. Matthew chapter 9 uh, uh, tells us uh, these words. Do you, can you all see it on screen? Let's read it out loud together, okay? One, two, three. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God often asks us out of compassion. You know, let me share with you uh, something I went through in the, in the early years of my consultation for churches. I was faced with a church that had a huge leadership crisis. And they asked me 
Philip, as a consultant, would you come in and help us through this leadership crisis? My training, I did a doctorate uh, uh, in ministry, studied in the US, okay? We studied about church health, church growth, leadership development, communication. We studied matrices. We studied how to analyze a church ministry and, from various angles. And when I took all those things and analyzed this, the situation of this church, all my multiple analytical training gave me one conclusion. Stay away from this church. Okay? Whatever you do, it's not going to work. Right? See, training is good. It gives you common sense. Sometimes it tells you to stay away. It won't work. But God gave me a vision. He gave me a vision of a very messy table that, that had a lot of messy things. And then suddenly in this vision, a white cloth covered it. It covered it all. You know? And this tablecloth covered it and it looked holy. It looked clean. And God said, no matter how messy, this is my church. It is covered and purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. She is holy unto me. Will you love her as you love me? So in the end, I ended up journeying with the church for two years. It was a painful two years. The outcome was questionable. I could have told you that from the start. But I journeyed with her because God put a burden upon my heart and I carried it for Jesus. And I wonder if for some of us, God is asking you today, will you carry this for Jesus? Are you struggling today whether to reach out to someone? Maybe there's a classmate that you feel a sense of burden for, but wow, this classmate is so difficult. Nobody wants to, to help. A political situation in your office that is complicated. A new ministry in church that would be even more work. Someone in the community you're trying to connect with is so different. It will lead to more people problems. You following me? Right? You understand, huh? Is God calling you to carry something for Jesus? This is the test of burden. And people that are used by God pass this test. Let's continue to look at the text again. Okay, we note that when Jesus asked the question, the first person he asked was Philip because people named Philip are very special, right? <laughs> okay, they are special, but that's not the point now, okay? The first person Jesus asked was Philip because he was from Bethsaida. It was a nearby province to the location of this story. So Philip was um, the man on the ground. He was most familiar with this situation. He would, he would, knew the, he would know the people, the region. Uh, he knew the situation best. And look at me at verse 7. Philip answered Jesus, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, the little Greek uh, and the New Testament uh, is written in, in Greek as original language. The little Greek is not eight months. Uh. It actually gives an exact monetary amount, 200 denarii. Okay, some of your versions put it that way. So Philip was very precise. Okay? The, uh, most Bible versions would calculate and translate the amount to eight months' wages, but Philip was saying 200 denarii, even this huge specific amount, would not feed these people. This is a practical lamentation. None of us can earn that money. And then the apostle Andrew, he is the creative, he is the thing out of the box. You know, sometimes in, in, in class, uh, uh, your teacher gives you a, a scenario to problem to solve. Uh, and then uh, he asks you, all you have are uh, shoelaces, la, uh, 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 nail clips, la, you know, uh, 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 safety pins. How are you going to solve this problem with this? Oh, you wreck your brains, you know, uh, turn it inside out, creative ways. You know, how? And then finally, you come, wow, I managed to solve it. See, two shoelaces, one safety pin, all this. this you do it this way, wow. Can solve what? Well, what is really creative, you know? Uh, 
And Andrew was creative. He looked at, oh, where are the shoelaces? Where are the safety pins? He scoured the place. And finally, he found something. Verse 8 and 9, he says this. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish, but how far can they go? So in the corporate world, uh, people do needs analysis. And Philip did that. Okay? In the corporate world, people do current resource analysis. And Andrew did that. We only have this much. How far can we go? You know, a second check that God uses to draw out uh, what He wants from people that He wants to use, check number two, is the heart despite limitation. To have the heart for God despite limitation. When God wants to use you, He will show you how little you have for how big a need that is there and that you have peace about it. That God gives peace about it. Now, this is not just money. Sometimes it's time. We don't have enough. Sometimes it's energy. Wow, I reach. I feel this. Uh, I reach your age now. Uh, wow, going to draw CPF soon. Uh, and, you know, and uh, no, no energy. Midlife crisis. So know what it is. No? Can I still do this? Sometimes it's energy. Sometimes it's emotion. Sometimes other things. But whatever it is, the need is so great and there is so little. And yet, in that space of peace between the two, God invites you to step in to that area. Without this space of reconciliation and peace, without passing this test, we cannot be used by God at a higher level. You know, my daughter is uh, serving in uh, her university's Christian fellowship. And she was trying to change some things that she felt would benefit her faculty, but she felt really unappreciated because uh, there were higher authorities involved and uh, people were very reluctant to change. And she felt very discouraged and stressed. She said, don't, uh, don't they know that I'm trying to do something that will help? And, you know, and uh, when she went through uh, uh, this process, you know, I, I think that it, God was just trying to lead her to a point of peace, of coming to a point where you get on your knees and you tell God, God, all that I have uh, is not enough. If you ask me all that these things, no matter what, it's just not enough. God, I need to seek your face. I need to speak to you. I will not leave this place until I encounter you. And that is the place of peace and reconciliation. The heart despite limitations. So on one end is the place where I realize I don't have enough. If I just focus on this, I will walk away. I will not take a step towards it. I won't have faith. On the other hand, is the place where I jump and I obey God. But I'm always stressed. I'm always worried. I'm always saying, God, why did you ask me to do this? Cannot, one cannot. And you're always stressed out. And because of that, you will wear out. You may not last. But between that place and this place is that place where... I know I don't have enough. I get on my knees and say, God, I need you. And I discover an amazing thing that God gives me that sense of peace because I'm in the place God wants me to be and my eyes are upon Him. My hands are working out the diligence, with great diligence, but my eyes are upon the one who provides. And I wonder if some of you are in that situation today. You are either on this side where you say, cannot be done. I don't even, cannot. I won't. Or you're on this side, you know, I, I took a step of faith, but what? I'm dying every day. I cannot. You know, I, why God? Why did you? And God wants to bring you to a point where you have that heart despite limitation. 
that you have God's peace. This could be something that God has put in your heart for your school, for your ministry, your job, your family relationship. And God wants to bring you to that point. It is at that point where true dependence on God begins. And this is the check, the test of limitation. Some of us, you know, we, we feel that we don't have enough knowledge or skill for that situation. We feel that our personality is not good enough for that, that calling or job. You know, or our looks cannot, you know, CMI, they say, uh, cannot make it. Uh, or we don't have enough money, you know. Sometimes you, 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 you God, why you only give me good looks? Uh? Why, why you don't give me more money or skill, you know, like that guy. That guy was on my team, well, can, you know. Why? And some of us, you know, we, we, we think this way. But my question to you is, are you content and at peace with pursuing God's direction despite the limits? You know, a story was told of a young boy that was sitting on a park bench. With one hand, he was uh, resting uh, on an open Bible and he was praising the Lord. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. God is great. He kind of got so loud, no, not worrying if other people could hear him. And a man was walking past who had recently com completed his master's degree at a, at a theological university, uh, came along and he thought he was an expert in the Bible, Bible history, everything he knows. He was quite eager to show off his knowledge. He saw that the boy was praising God and holding a Bible in his hand. He said, why are you excited about what you read in the Bible? And the boy replied with a laugh, do you have any idea what God is able to do? I just read in the Bible that God opened up the waves of the Red Sea and the entire nation of Israel walked right through it. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! And the Bible, uh, expert, Bible expert laughed lightly you know, at the boy's innocence and he sat down next to him and he said, you know, I've got to show off a little bit of what I learned in Bible college. And, and he said, this can be explained quite easily actually. You know, modern learning and exploration have shown that in that part of the Red Sea that they passed through, the water was only 12 inches deep. There are some parts of the ocean that are like that, 12 inches deep only. That amount of water would not have stopped that. It was easy for God to guide them to that place and walk through the Red Sea. So the boy was a bit puzzled. His eyes wandered back uh, uh, from the man to what the man said to the Bible and the, uh, what the man said to the Bible. And then suddenly the boy started to shout even louder than before. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Even more loudly. And the man asked, Why are you so excited? And the man said, Wow, God is even greater than I thought. Not only did He lead the whole nation of Israel through the Red Sea, on top of that, He drowned the whole Egyptian army in just 12 inches of water. <laughs> Friends, God is a God of miracles. Amen? Are you at the place where in your resources that you have, you say, God, how can we grow? How can I do this? How can I multiply? God wants to grow your faith to believe that God is a God of miracles. Whether the Red Sea is really 12 inches deep or not, if God wants to drown the enemy, He will drown the enemy. Amen? What is the enemy of God's purposes in your life today? What is it that obstructs you from being the person God wants you to be, to follow in God's purposes? What are those things that God says, if you trust me, I will drown these enemies. I will drown these things in your life that you can rise up to be what I intended for you to be. A third check that draws out what God desires uh, from people that He wants to use is the check of the heart's belief in abundant possibilities by God. When God wants to use someone, He often leads them to believe that God provides for the needs of people. God always provides for the needs that are on God's heart. 
If you believe today that God wants you to reach your classmate, no matter how difficult he or she is, God will provide for the needs. If you believe that God wants you to heal or play a part in that political climate in your office, no matter how complex, God will provide for the needs. If you believe today that God wants you to reach the community, no matter how different or varied they are, God will provide for their needs. And therefore, we learn to look at the possible resources that God can give to us. In a time when the people were hungry for God, uh, God did something. Look at verse 12 and 13 of John 6. 12 and 13 says this. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. You know, God wants to shape our thinking today. Despite our limits, when there are people who need the Lord, God always gives in abundance. God doesn't just provide. God will give in abundance. I've experienced this in seasons of my own life. You know, uh, I run a consultancy that helps churches and NGOs and actually that's where I face my biggest challenge. In the early years when I uh, felt God call me to, uh, to start this, I came before God and I said, Lord, I, I really don't know much about this, but if you are calling me, then I will look at the opportunities that you provide for this. And over, the, over time, I began to be uh, bivocational. I ran a consultancy. Uh, I was a pastor in a church. I was also teaching in a polytechnic. Uh, I was also uh, watching and caring for my family. Uh, the, the, my two kids were very young uh, then. At the end of 2012, I had a vision, a vision to grow that ministry. I saw a picture of, of two trees in, my, in, my, in this vision. And it was like God saying, you, you, I will double it. Like one tree, I will double it into two. And one day I went uh, to visit my friend in California. I, I was uh, uh, driving there and I stopped at a traffic light. Uh, and it was the longest red light traffic light I ever stopped at <laughs> that I can remember. And, and while I was just waiting and waiting, Suddenly, in the distance, I saw this huge hill with nothing except two trees. Nothing except two trees. I said, wow, the picture looks very familiar. It really looks like, like something I saw in a vision. I was saying, is God trying to speak to me? And then I was well, the traffic light's still red. No, still waiting. I said, okay, la, I, I took out my handphone. I don't know whether allowed or not in the country. Yeah. I took a photo of it. No? Uh, uh, and I, I could not resist it. I, 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 I just, it just dawned on me that God was saying to me, Philip, I want to double... The, the, the ministry you have to churches. So I began to prepare and look for resources. God provided a, a friend who's a lawyer to advise me on registering the ministry as a, a sole proprietorship at the time. He later provided a tax consultant to help me to get uh, my taxation responsibilities well. I began to look for trainers. God led me to several friends who agreed to help me, to train with me. I had no idea how to pay them or what structure all this, but uh, uh, someone who works in the corporate consultancy gave me some advice. And I began to prepare all these things through God's providence. And as we turn into 2014, there was a couple of years later, several churches began to engage me for training and consultancy. Uh, and when I surveyed all the work that I was doing, I began to realize, well, the number of these projects had doubled. It doubled. And I spent time with these leaders. I began to see the need in these churches. I began to see how hungry these leaders are. They say, we really want the church to grow. We really need the church to be healthy. Please, is there any way that we can grow in this area? And I realized God knows the leaders and churches who has needs in the coming years. 
And he was just preparing me to position me, to fit me in order to serve their needs. You know, from the start of my career, I've always been a pastor, so I don't know a thing about business, company registrations, all that kind of thing. But God provides all these different uh, tax consultant, lawyer, trainer, friends, all this. I begin to realize that it's not about me. God already knows the needs that are there. He just said, Philip, I want to use you. Okay, and I'm going to position you if you are willing. I will position you in a place to meet those needs. Friends, I want to say to you, when God calls you to do something, He already knows the needs that are coming. There could be something in your office, in your family, in your circumstances brewing that in the coming months or in the years, it's going to become a great need. God already knows that. And He's looking to you and He says, are you willing to be used? I'm calling you now to position yourself, to believe me for this and you step out of your comfort zone. I'm putting you in a place that I will meet the needs with what I provide through you. And when God wants to, I think I'm trying to just say, it's really not just about you. When God calls you, you know, step out of my comfort zone, do this, like, why do that? I say, why me? Why? Like, it's really not about you. God wants to flow through you. He sees the people that are hungry. And when He wants to meet their needs, He will provide not just enough, He will provide in abundance. You following me? And He's calling you. He's positioning you. So I'm wondering today if some of you are at a point of considering, God, are you leading me to consider this? Are you, are you asking me to reach out to this? Are you, and you, you don't know how, God, it's going to be so uncomfortable. It's going to have so many changes. I don't have enough right now. What do I do? I want to encourage you to believe in God's providence, that believe God will provide in abundance. Amen? Now, I'm not saying that just because you get a sense of healing, you just jump like bungee jumping. Okay, unless you love bungee jumping, you're the kind of person. Uh, if you're not, then take steps to be careful. Exploit one by one. Ask God, is this the right person? Is this the right place? Take the steps to investigate by all means, but start it. Start that journey of faith. Take the step of faith now to, to go one by one and follow the Lord. I had to, I had to explore, is this advice correct? Are these trainers the right people? I had to engage and ask God for, for, for guidance. But when the time came, I knew that God was preparing me. So the application of the check of abundant possibilities is this. Are you praying for your constraints regularly? God, you want me to do this, but I got this area, this area. Are you praying for these areas, for breakthrough regularly? Are you looking for creative resources around that? God, would you provide for this? Would you provide? Ask God in faith. God, you, I, you lead me to do this. I need a breakthrough. Give me a breakthrough. Pray for these things regularly. That is the test of the heart's belief in abundant possibilities by God. Be on the lookout for what God wants to show you because He always provides when He calls you. A final test I want to cover for today when God wants to use uh, His people is this. The heart that desire God's heart above all. We don't see this in the apostles themselves, but in Jesus' decision and example to them. Look at me at verse 14 and 15. Okay, uh, John chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. 
And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now you must imagine, uh, after a miracle, okay, five loaves, two fish, 12 baskets overflowing, okay, feeding of the 5,000, if you were a disciple there of Jesus Christ at that scene, what would you have done? If I were there, I would be giving out my name cards, right? I will put my attachment on LinkedIn already. I'll say, hey, anyone who talk to Jesus, I'm his marketing agent. You, you come to me, look to me. That's what I would say, you know? But Jesus withdrew instead. He knew that it was not what his father wanted. They wanted to make him king. But his father had a different destiny. And Jesus desired his father's will above all. Jesus knew that his destiny was not to be that political, conquering king that the way the people wanted. He was committed to doing what his, was on his father's heart. And this is ultimately the test of the person that God wants to use. When God wants to use you, He will ask you if you will commit yourself to do the thing that God calls you to do, no matter how troublesome, inconvenient, or difficult, or time-consuming. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, there will come a time for you to give out your name cards, alright? But there'll be a time when God says, don't even give up a single thing. This is the person who passed the test of desiring God's heart. And the application is this, are you surrendered to do anything, go anywhere God wants you to, despite what others may say or think? A friend of mine, uh, an upcoming teacher, sent by MOE to overseas to study, and then uh, coming back to do a tour of duty in the HQ. And you know, when people go through this route, you know that they are earmarked for, for some kind of, of, of advanced uh, 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 placement. And I believe that God will put this friend of mine in a place of influence in, in the work in future. And when this friend signs off her emails and letters. She has an email signature. And in this email signature, I, it's something that struck me, so I thought I would share it with you. She always signs off with these words. God, I will meet you there in the place we call surrender, where I lose myself. Some of us, we long for a breakthrough. We ask for clear direction and blessing. But while we are doing that, we are also torn apart by our own ambitions, our own plans, our own boundaries and conditions. It is only when you step into this place called surrender, the place where you lose yourself, where you only find what the Lord has for you, that I believe you will experience the breakthrough your heart longs for, the past that you desire. God will meet you there. So friends, this word test in John 6 is not a pass or fail test, okay? Uh, it is something that draws out of you. When we look at this, you need to be more biblical and less Singaporean. A Singaporean test is pass or fail. But the test of God is the check of the heart. It's meant to draw out, to shape. And I wonder if are some of us going through this test of heart right now, the check of hearts, you're going through something where one of these checks or more apply to you. And God is saying, I want to draw this out of you. I want to examine your heart. I want to know whether you will be the person that I can use when I pour forth my anointing. 
And you know what a privilege it is when God wants to draw that out of us. He wants to use us despite our weakness. He wants to use us despite our failings. Friends, when you look at, when I look at myself and look at the failings and the struggles and the complaints and the whinings, I, I sometimes ask, why would God use me? And I don't know whether you've ever asked yourself, why would God use me? I'm not... And yet God does. God says, I'm, I'm looking at your heart. I'm drawing these things out. I love you and I want to use you. What a privilege. What a privilege it is. When we are centred in God's will and in His hands, that is what makes a difference. I want to invite the worship team to come up and just uh, take position. <clears throat> I want to share a prose that I just once read. And it was quite meaningful, so I just want to put it up uh, on screen for us. A basketball in my hands is worth about $19. A basketball in Michael Jordan's hands is worth about $33 million. Depends on whose hands it's in. A baseball in my hands is worth about $6. A baseball in Mark McGuire's hands is worth about $19 million. Depends on whose hands it's in. A tennis racket is useless in my hands. A tennis racket in Pete Sampras' hands is a Wimbledon championship. Depends on whose hands it's in. A rod in my hands will keep a wild animal away. A rod in Moses' hands will part the mighty sea. Depends on whose hands it's in. A slingshot in my hands is a kid's toy. A slingshot in David's hands is a mighty weapon. Depends on whose hands it's in. Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands are a couple of fish sandwiches. Two fish and five loaves of bread in God's hands will feed thousands. Depends on whose hands it's in. Nails in my hands might produce a birdhouse, but nails in Jesus Christ's hands will produce salvation for the entire world. Depends on whose hands it's in. So as you see, the result depends on whose hands it is in. So put your concerns, your worries, your fears, your hopes, your dreams, your families, your relationships in God's hands. Because what happens depends on whose hands it's in. Church, you get a message. Whose hands are you in? You're in God's hands. Amen. Maranatha is in God's hands. Amen. Remember the checks that God puts your heart through. Remember that when God wants to use you, He shapes you and draws what He desires out of you to make you tried and true. And this is something precious that the Lord wants to do for us today. I want to invite you to put your things down. Let's stand to our feet and let's... Uh, Let's pray. Let's take a moment to pray. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you to just come. Bless our time today. Minister to us. Remind us of whose hands we are in. Whether we are facing something in our families, in our ministry, in our emotions, in our time, in our office, in our workplace, in our school, just remind us whose hands we are in. 
let your anointing come. And I know that if you are putting some of us through that checklist, that test of the heart, it's because you love us, you call us by name, you want to draw out the best. The more a vessel that you want to use us, the more it needs to be tested, to be ready, tried and true. And this is the desire of your heart for us today. So help us to open our hearts to you. Help us to truly put our trust that whatever we go through as you shape our hearts, as you test us, our faith will be in Christ and in Christ alone. Come, let's have the worship team just lead us to respond to the Lord. Christ alone, may I glory Though I could pride myself in battles won For I've been blessed beyond measure And by His strength alone I'll overcome And oh, I could stop and count successes like diamonds in my hands But those trophies could not equal To the grace by which I stand In Christ alone I place my trust And find my glory
church, I wonder which tests are you going through today? Through your life situation, through your circumstances. And you just sense that the, the Holy Spirit is just speaking to you, touching your heart, drawing something that He desires. And, and we are there and we're saying, God, you are, you are trying to shape me. You're trying to draw me. I just need to understand this more. I need to, I need to follow you. I need to grow in this area. You know, this morning, I just want to give a simple invitation for you to just respond to the Lord, to come out and just stand before God and say, God, I sense that you are working in my life. And in this area, I, I want to follow you. I want to pass this test. I want to walk in your ways. I want to be the man, the woman of God you desire for me to be. Friends, God calls this of you because He loves you. So I want to give you an invitation. Some of you, God is inviting you to take on a burden. And you are saying, Pastor, I feel challenged to take on something that will bless people, but oh, God, it's going to take so much more effort and time and emotions. Pastor, would you pray for me? I just want to, I want to let God shape this area of my heart. I want to invite you to respond to prayer today. Second group of people, God is putting you, bringing you to a point where you realize your limitations. You know, you were, like me, you were saying, you know, I... I just need to come to a point where I kneel before God and I say, God, all that I have is not enough. I just don't have it. I know you want this, but it's not possible in my eyes. I know these limits, Lord. And I need to come before you to find that space of peace and reconciliation where I know that I know you've called me and therefore you will provide for me. I need you, oh God. And, and God wants to bring you to that point of limitation and I just want to invite you to have that heart despite limitations, would you also respond to the Lord? For some of us, God is just challenging you today to look for creative possibilities, to believe that God is a God of abundant possibilities. You already know what God is, is leading you to, but you, you say, I, I can also write down a clear list of all the things that I need and I don't have them yet. And, uh, and, and, and God is just putting on your heart to begin to pray for these things specifically. One by one, God, you show me that this is your will. You knock down this prayer request. You knock it down. You knock it down. You just provide for all these things. You provide for me. Help me to keep my eyes open to see the people you're bringing, opportunities you bring, things that are happening out of the box, creative, out of my mind. I never thought of before, but God, you open my eyes. You provide for these things. And God wants to give you that faith again, the faith to believe Him despite all these limitations. And He said, I'm going to keep my eyes on what I need and say, God, you provide for these things. And I want to pray for you too. I pray that, that you would respond to the Lord. And fourthly, fourthly, God is challenging some of us to really surrender our hearts to God. To say, God, it is not about my own will or my desire, my own preference. It is what you want. Pastor, I need to have that heart. The heart that says, God, wherever you call me, I will go. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. It's not about me. It's about you and how you want to bless the needs in your heart. God, I worship you. I want to follow you. So I want to just give a simple invitation. If God is speaking to you, come on up. Lay that before the Lord. I want to encourage you to lay hold of this and say, God, I want to pass this test. I want to grow. I want to pass this test. Let's sing this chorus again as we sing this. I just invite you, if God is speaking to you, any of the check tests, any of the things that you're going through in your heart, uh, just bring it to the Lord and surrender it. And I want to pray that blessing over you. I want to commend you for responding to the Lord. 
And I know that God may be shaping your heart even right now in a deep way. And you know, when God does that, He tells us He does that because He loves us and He calls us by name. And I'm just so thankful that the Lord really calls you by name. And, and He knows the blocks in your heart. He loves you despite your limitations, despite your weaknesses and even failures that you have to live with today. The Lord calls you. The Lord invites you. The Lord says, I call you and I, my hand is upon you. And right now, you know, He looks at your situation. He already knows what He is going to do. But He says, will you do this for me? Will you do this for me? And He's shaping, He's drawing something out in you. And I want to pray right now for your Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to come to bless us. Come, let's lift our hands before the Lord. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, just come even right now. I want to pray for these, my brothers and sisters. Bless them and fill them with your Holy Spirit. Let your anointing come upon them even right now. Lord, I just want to ask that you would fill them. They uh, desire that breakthrough. And so I pray for that breakthrough. So may the Holy Spirit come upon you even right now. Let your anointing come upon them right now. I pray for an open heaven to come upon them right now. Fill them, O oh God, with your Holy Spirit. O oh God, uh, put the burden you desire on your heart to share with them, O oh God. Lord, increase their faith to, to in a practical and direct way to look at the abundant opportunities and possibilities. O oh God, just create in them a hunger and a desire for you, O oh God, that they will love you and put you first. Whatever it is, they will say whatever you want. It will be above all. It will be above all. Father, you just bless them, O oh God, and that you will bring them to a place of peace. There might be some of them that are so worried today, so stressed today, O oh God, or so, so, uh, 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 feel so challenged today in this area. And Father, I just want to pray you bring them to that place, the place of peace and reconciliation. So let your anointing come even right now. Father, bless. Pour forth your Holy Spirit. May the Lord give you your